0: Joining me today, I have my friend Holly Kane here today. She is a finance and operations expert. I'm really excited to have her share some of her insights into what makes businesses tick, how to make them work better, and just some of the exciting projects that she has going on. So thanks so much for joining us today, Holly.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
0: So Holly and I first met, I don't know, three or four years ago at a podcasting conference of all places. Um, and I can vividly remember. I think we were at like a like a Red Robin type of a place. I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly what it was. <laughs> and having lunch together, and it was just, it was such a great group of people. I'm I'm still friends with all of the people that were at the table that day. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's been fun to watch Holly grow her business, and also grow her podcasting experience over the last few years as well. So Holly, why don't you give everyone just a little bit of a background around what you're involved in, what kind of projects you're doing, and the work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, so um, actually, as I think back, before I tell you that, as I think back to that podcasting conference, it's just, it's interesting how we had that lunch together and then how we've all kind of gone off in our separate ways. But at the same time, it's just, it's so interesting to watch each one of those businesses grow. I know you pretty much already said that, but I totally resonate with what you said. And it's so cool to have, um, business friends from all over the country that you kind of meet at these conferences. So it's, that was a really great experience, but, um, so I currently work for clients all over the country. I do chief financial officer, Um, and director of operations work for small businesses online that are at the five or six figure level and are trying to push to six, seven and beyond. Uh, Most of them are service-based businesses. I do have one brick and mortar that um, funnily enough, we actually moved to the hometown that that
0: business is
1: from. Yeah.
0: Did you um, moved there for them. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, right? Uh, no, they've been my client for about four years and they just kept telling me about where they lived and it just sounded great. And so when we were ready for a change of pace, we came up here and visited and now we live in Northwest Alabama. So we were in Florida before and it's just it's really cool to actually be able to walk into a client's office because I haven't had that experience in all the years that I've been in business. So, what I do is I'm basically a finance and operations strategist for businesses, and I just help them get their financial steadiness um, in such a way that they are not losing sleep at night. They're not afraid of how they're going to pay their taxes. They, they're not worried that they're going to cover payroll. Um, And then from the operations standpoint, just getting things sort of it buckled down in an, in an efficiency sort of way and streamline processes and just really make sure that they are headed towards the goals that they set at the beginning of the year. So pretty much the entire back side of a business,
0: I have my hands in, What do you feel like is the most common thing you come across when you're working with businesses in this size range or in this kind of genre of, of clients?
1: Yeah. So when they first come to me, honestly, I hear the same thing um, every time it, and it's usually, this is a huge mess. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. This is going to be so much work. You know, Please don't judge me. <laughs> People are really embarrassed about the sort of, you know, like the back room of their business. If you yeah. if you think about it as a brick and mortar, it's like, no, no, don't go in the back room. That's where all mm-hmm. the mess is. That's where all the inventory is. Right. And so that's how people really come to me. And probably one of the things that I love the most about my business is sort of calming people's fears when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. I pretty much say I've seen everything. There's nothing that's going to surprise me. And if it does surprise me, you're never going to (laughs) know. I want to make you feel as comfortable as possible because Mm -hmm. we all start somewhere. And generally when businesses have gotten to the five, six figure point, it's not like they have Really honed in on every single part of their business, right? They have the sales and marketing engines up and running, Mm -hmm. they have fulfillment up and running. But, you know, those SOPs, those are not created. You know what I mean? There's not uh, processes within their finances and and they get embarrassed. And honestly, there's nothing to be embarrassed of because pretty much in those first years of business, you're just getting it off the ground. You're making sure Mm. that it's a viable product. You're making sure that you have an audience that's bought into what you're doing. And so by the time I come in, it's when people are like, okay, we've got sales under our belt we, we kind of have this good rhythm going of consistent income and we're really making sort of a splash in the industry, but we knew, know that what got us here is not going to get us to the next mm. point. And we need to really hone in on those back end business strategies, plans, processes to make sure that they are buckled down and efficient so that when they get to that next level, they're not at a point where they're in crisis mode or disasters or putting out fires. Um, And so that's really what I help people do is buckle that all down and get it in a really, well, I hate to say it this way, but make it a well-oiled machine
0: essentially. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because when I had my first daughter um, almost two years ago, I really found myself having to clean up a lot of the back end stuff because mm-hmm. I was like if I have to be out for longer than I'm thinking somebody needs to be able to jump in here and know where to go find things have things be consistent across all client folders so I remember spending I mean hours organizing yeah. and setting things up so it was consistent and Obviously, if I had figured out some of that from the beginning, it would have made things a lot easier, but you know, it's, it's so important. And it allowed me since then to scale even more. Um, And then anytime I bring somebody in to help on something, I can say, look, like every client has the same structure or we follow the same procedure for every single client. And so when I have to be out for things, it's not as big of a deal because I've got my house somewhat in order. I won't say it's ideal. (laughs) There's a lot of work still to be done. (laughs) Yeah, and I think honestly, people come to me
1: after they've kind of had one of those things where I was out for a month, I was sick or I got COVID and I realized- this is not good. This can't run without me or, Hey, I really want to take a two week vacation, but I can't imagine even leaving my business for one day. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's those types of people that are sort of primed and ready to do this type of work. I mean, it's not something that you want to take on if you really don't value it because you're not going to put the effort um, that needs to be in it. But when you really see the benefit to yourself as a CEO and to your business, mm-hmm. that's when you're ready to do the work. So,
0: yeah. so what got you into doing this kind of work in the first place?
1: Yeah. So, I was actually in the banking and <laughs> um, healthcare industries for quite mm-hmm. a few years. Um, and I, was working for a pediatric specialty clinic and working in forensics and oncology and, um, genetics. And it was really heavy. It was, it was going to going to work every day and seeing a lot of sick and abused children. And Mm -hmm. it was too much for me. I was burning out and, Um, my friend Esther said, Hey, have you heard about this job that's opening up? You need to go check it out. And it was for um, a local PR and marketing firm. Um, And I was like, yes, I have to get, I have to get out of this world because even though I love it, even though I love the kids that I see on a daily basis, it was just taking a toll on me personally. And I was burning out. And so I started working for that PR and marketing firm and I was there for about five years. And when I left, I was their finance director and it was a business of about 18 to 20 Mm -hmm. and there were two owners. And so by being the finance director, I got to really help direct and steer the business. I got to see the ins and outs of owning a small business, what my owners were kind of worried about at night, the things that bothered them, the things that they had to deal with. And I got to really see the inner workings of that mm. business. And by the time we were, I was ending my time there, we were actually thinking of moving from Maine to Florida. Okay. And I thought to myself, I have a really good gig here. I can kind of come and go as I please. I got to take my son to work and pick him up after school. I got to work from home if I needed to. Um, There were all kinds of great perks of being in a PR and marketing firm. Um, And so I thought to myself, I do not want to hit the job market in Florida. I'm just not interested. So I thought to myself, what am I going to do? (laughs) And again, my friend Esther said, start a business. And she helped me figure out how to start my own business. And I started out solely doing bookkeeping because that was all the confidence I had in myself of what I could do. Okay. And after about a year or so, I realized that I was really business coaching people. Mm. They would come to me. We would talk about their books. We would talk about what I saw going on. And I would say, have you tried this? What about this? And I was Constantly asking these questions that were outside of bookkeeping. And I really, I realized that I had the capacity and I knew how to take it up a notch, but I, mm. at first, I didn't have the confidence to do it. Um, so I started moving into that chief financial officer role with businesses where I was kind of in charge of. Their entire finance side. Um, And it was at that time that I wanted a little bit more strategy behind what I was doing. So I um, joined Natalie Gingrich's uh, Director of Operations certification and Uh got that certification and sort of rounded out that backend knowledge of what I currently do. So not only can I handle the finance, but I can do the operations now too. Mm. And it's so interesting to have gone through that program because it was all skills I already had, but it gave me a framework of how to sell it and how to walk Clients through it, yeah. um, and gave me the words and the vocabulary that I needed to really help them take their businesses to the next level. So gotcha. that's
0: that's my journey to where wow. I am now. <laughs> I love that. Well, and I love that you. Sh- I mean, just thank you for sharing that when you first started off, like you struggled with the confidence mm-hmm. to offer more. Um, yeah. I think a lot of us think that we have to jump straight to Mm -hmm. doing all the things and having all the confidence of everything. And a lot of times it does take time to build that up. Yeah, Um, I mean, I know I struggled with that big time, just getting Mm -hmm. my own, um, just my own brand out there, honestly. I mean, it's hard. So, um, so yeah, thanks so much for sharing that and just being open to sharing, you know, just the process because we all, like you said earlier, we we all start somewhere, you know? So, well, I'd
1: love to share with you. My very first client was some, uh, an artist out of New York city and she did, she was a Jack of all trades and she paid me $50 a month to do her bookkeeping. And when I think about that now, I'm like, that is crazy. You know, I'm Yeah. I'm at the point where, you know, I have clients that pay me thousands of dollars a month, you know, to work in their, in their businesses. And it's, it's, it's insane to think that that's where I came from and that's where I started. But honestly, I don't despise those small beginnings because I really had to prove to myself that I was good at this Mm -hmm. and the fact that I had clients asking me questions outside of bookkeeping validated that they validated for me, that they valued my opinion and my Mm -hmm. um, expertise that I was bringing to their business. And for me, that's the only way I could have done it. I would have dealt with severe imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. if I had just jumped into that finance director role or that CFO, even though I had been doing it in a business, even though I had been in that business for five years, um, you know, I had been doing it with them and, you know, helping create budgets and work on forecasting and, you know, metrics and all the things that I do now, I was already doing it, but I couldn't, I had to prove my prove to myself that I could run a business.
0: Well, and, and so much so much learning happens, like as you're dealing with some of those, like, Mm -hmm different nuances, like maybe, yeah, looking back, you can say, yeah, I could have done XYZ from the start and maybe I should have been, but you also like along the way, you're realizing, oh, this isn't that different than what I was doing in the director Mm -hmm. of finance role. And I can do all of this. So, um, I think that's part of the learning process too. Cause like for me, I started as well with, um, you know, working in an ad agency as far as like my social media journey and, you know, I didn't, I didn't always work necessarily with the small business owner who comes to you and expects you to kind of lay out their whole marketing strategy. Yeah. They hire you for one little channel of their marketing, but then mm-hmm. they look to you for the whole picture of what they should yeah. be doing. And it's really, sometimes you end up playing that role of director of marketing or, mm-hmm. you know, the chief marketing officer for a small business and uh you know you pick up these skills along the way. I mean, when I first started my background was originally in graphic design and I was the right time right place to jump in with social media when it became a thing for marketing. And since then I've learned SEO, I've learned you know, my copywriting has improved dramatically to the point where Mm -hmm. I can offer copywriting to clients and have for many years now, I know how to build websites, like all these things that you just learn as you're going for a lot of these things. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to see the journey for sure. If you were to just like celebrate one thing you've done, that's really helped your brand get out there to people. One thing you've done to help get the word out, if you will about the services you offer and, and something you've personally done to market your business, what would you say has been a good good win for you over the years? So honestly,
1: I would say it's probably the most, re- it's a m- most recent thing I've done. And that would be my, the podcast that I started. Yeah, out. Um, Started that about three months ago and it's called the Prosper Collective, which is the name of my business. And honestly, as I think about it, it's so funny because my, the person that kind of helps me with my marketing to some extent and, and really thinking and asking questions about how I want to show up in the world. She was always saying, you need core content. You need core content. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, ah, oh, but I I don't want to write. I'm a verbal processor. And and i i don't want to it just sounds so boring like i'm not going to people's blogs and reading like who else is you know what i mean and so i was just i was so frustrated by it and for me i'm very good at one-on-one connection with people i love genuine authentic connection and so mm-hmm. i i'm on social media but it doesn't resonate with me because it feels like this i'm just putting stuff out to the faceless masses and so mm-hmm. Um, As I was thinking about it, uh, my friend and I were talking and she was like, you need to start a podcast. And I was like, Mm. okay. (laughs) So a little bit of background. I have been doing a podcast with my friend Esther for four years now. And we have been um, interviewing women who are leaders in ministry and business. And um, we talk all about leadership things. So the medium of podcasting was something I was very comfortable with. I never thought that I would start it for my own business because I thought who needs another financial podcast? Nobody, right? (laughs) Like who needs to hear my voice on the topic? And so when I really dug deep and kind of looked at what was out there and thought about what I offer to people I felt like I do have a voice in this space. Mm -hmm. And so that's really why I created the podcast because my view on finance and operations, it's mostly finance, but there's a sprinkle of operations in there is that I'm not running this business to fund my McMansion. I'm Mm -hmm. not out there trying to make, you know, buy seven houses or buy a Ferrari. The reason that I'm in business is to have financial freedom and to impact the world and give back generously. And so I didn't really hear many podcasts for small businesses that came at finances from the angle of generosity and impact. Mm -hmm. And that's really how I view the how I view finances for a business. I'm doing this so that I can have financial steadiness so that my family is comfortable, but then as well, so that I can make an impact on the causes and, um, sort of things in the world that really pull at my heartstrings, the things that are important to me. Um, and I didn't feel like I saw that in the industry or in the finance podcast realm, or coming from a woman um, or someone who has been in small business for a while. I didn't really find that. And so that's why I started my podcast. And honestly, it's been a huge outlet. I feel like I say the same things to my clients, but I'm not saying them to anyone else. And so this is helping get those thoughts, those, um, tips, I guess, or, you know, the strategies that I use with them, it's getting that out into the world and getting people to know me in a much more personal way than I could ever show on Instagram or Facebook.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's amazing. Like podcasts at first, they feel really daunting to do. Mm -hmm. They're really not that difficult of a piece to do. I mean, a lot of people honestly, get more scared by that blinking cursor on a blank word document, right? Like, oh yeah, that's weird me. way to start making this article. Whereas like most people, you sit them down at a, uh, at a meal or in an elevator or whatever, they can sit and talk about mm-hmm. what they do. And you're right. Like people actually get to understand your passion. They get to hear your perspective on some things. And so then it's like, oh, well, Yeah. The advice she's giving is sound like this is a no-brainer of why I would want to work with her. Yeah, They get that so much better. So that by the time that they even talk to you, they're already kind of sold on you. And it's more of you just validating what they're really thinking about working with you or not working with with you. So I'm a huge fan of podcasts, obviously (laughs) on this one. I have not done the solo podcasting as much that's one thing I have not dove, dove into. I thought about it even for the marketing side of things. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's one that I, I have a lot of, a lot of respect for. Cause it's a little hard to just like sit there and speak to yourself <laughs> versus like here, us, talking to each other, it's a little bit easier. So I will say that I've had a couple guests
1: and those feel a little bit more fun. The ones where I'm just talking to myself, I really are ha- not talking to myself, but the
0: ones where I'm talking alone,
1: alone um, I kind of have to bring the energy myself. And so if you listen to the podcast, the first couple episodes are a little bit stiff and I get a little bit more comfortable as I go along because for so long in my other podcasts, I've either interviewed or mm-hmm. done um, sort of duos. I only have a few a single, you know, monologue style podcasts, mm-hmm. I guess, in that podcast. Um, and so it took me a little bit to kind of get comfortable, but I've been doing this for a long time. And so I just got used to it. And I just imagine that there's one person listening to me and I'm sitting down having a conversation with them. And that's really where I, I mean, I'll say it this way. That's where I shine more than, you know, just sort. I I'm so uncomfortable with video, and I know that like reels are a thing and whatever, but that's just not me. Mm-hmm. And so, podcasts really um, is something that I will show up consistently to. And when it comes to marketing, it's about showing up consistently. And I yeah. knew that I had to pick something that I was comfortable with. Yeah. To create my core content in, because if it was a struggle for me to sort of pick up the phone and create a reel, I knew I wasn't going to do it or shoot a YouTube video. I wasn't going to do it, but it's so much easier for me to come to my office, shut the door, write down my thoughts and then verbalize them. And that is the medium that works for me. So that's what I'm sticking with. And I'm kind of bummed that it took me this long to figure it out, but that's
0: okay. (laughs) Again, it's a journey, right?
1: Right. (laughs) yes exactly I
0: I will I will resonate with that on a similar level I mean between the pandemic and working I already was remote before but um and then going through like I essentially went through a whole pregnancy and um you know the getting back to work phase all while the pandemic was in full swing um and so the whole like some days I just wouldn't put on any makeup. I didn't do my hair. And knowing that I needed to show up on social media felt really daunting some days because I was literally just doing what I needed to, to survive and get through the day physically, not worrying about what do I look like? And so podcasting is great because you can just show up. <laughs> you don't have to look all put together. and No one has any idea. Um, yeah. It's also been a different struggle for me too, um just I'll just say like the noise in my house, like having to think through like, will there be a child screaming in the background? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well, um you know, and my husband works from home too, will our bandwidth support being able to record this episode you know like just some of those logistics you just yeah. there's different challenges that come now, but i I agree, I think. if I I were to go back, I'd probably say like, I wish I would have started some of this sooner um, because it has been a useful tool for me. It sounds like it has been for you as well. So
1: I think in the end, what probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned in business alone is that I need to be able to do the things that work well for my personality and my skills. Mm -hmm. And I am one that, like loves to chase the shiny object or everyone's doing this and everyone's getting this result from it. But if it's not genuine to me and who I am, it's almost impossible for me to do it. And so, um, I have put myself into places where I thought I had to do certain things and I wasn't showing up authentically. I wasn't showing up Mm -hmm. as who I really am. And so that people people can read that from your voice from your face from they know that you're uncomfortable and so yeah. it really resonates more with people when i can show up as my true self in my comfort zone and i can really display my skills and my expert knowledge in a way that i'm comfortable with and like yeah. i'm not saying that i'm not pushing myself to get out of my comfort zone but at the same time I'm not, I'm not going to start there. I'm going to start where I know how to do the things I'm doing and then push myself out of the comfort zone. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do well with what I know how to do and get really good at that. And then I will, um, you know, use that foundation to propel myself into things that are less comfortable, less easy for me. And I think that we in this industry of online just throw ourselves into things that we think everyone's doing and we're the only one that's not doing them. And then we show up in a sort of compromised way and it really is a detriment to our brand and to our um, message to the world when we can't effectively communicate it. And so you often hear people say like, do it ugly. And you know, show Mm -hmm. up anyway. And I totally agree with that. I do, but let's be okay with starting from where we're comfortable and then Mm
0: -hmm. moving into those
1: comfortable places. No one ever said that you have to do it a certain way. You do it your way and your people will find you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, and, and I, I see this similar, along a similar vein to people all the time when they want to be on all the social media pla- platforms. Yeah. They want to be everywhere. And it's like, no, just start Start with one, maybe mm-hmm. two.
1: Yeah,
0: Start there and get consistent and get good at that. And then add on as you develop more of an accurate and authentic voice to who yeah. you are. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so when it comes to finance and operations. If you were to give people one tip of like, go do this, it's not necessarily a marketing win, but it's just a win in life. What would you tell them? I think it's going to be
1: something that you don't expect. (laughs) I would honestly say identify your values first and then work from there. So that's going to sound strange. But what I mean by that is if you are a saver, if you value lots of cash in the bank, you are not going to follow someone who is a risk taker and who is investing their money in all of these high risk investments. You need to follow someone and get advice from people that have the same values as you. And so Mm -hmm. I would definitely say figure out what your values are and then find mentors or voices in the space that reflect your values. Wow. And I think that honestly that is sup like supremely key because it goes back to what we were saying of chasing the shiny object of what everyone else is doing. Well, their values might not be my values. And Mm -hmm. so, like I said, I'm not out here trying to buy a Maserati. I'm trying to put my kid into college someday and I'm Mm -hmm. trying to pay off my house. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I'm probably not going to, um, follow some, you know, young, hot bachelor guy who cares about, you know, their sunset views off their balcony Mm -hmm. of their house and their hot tub, like find someone that resonates with your values and then whatever keys and advice, um, tips, whatever is going to match more to what you're looking to do. And then you won't get so sidetracked. Um, I know that that sounds probably like something I wouldn't say, but (laughs) knowing your values and why you're doing what you're doing is key to longevity in your business and is what's going to pick you up when you're disappointed and what's going to get you through that client meeting that you just don't want to do, Mm -hmm. knowing why you do it and having support from mentors and people you look up to that match those values is also what's going to pull you through and give you advice that matches what you're doing. Um, so, You know, I could give you all kinds of tips all day long about, you know, document, 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 and have, you know, a Mm -hmm. a structure and, you know, make sure you're setting goals in, in three month stints rather than year long. You know, I, I could give you all of that, but if it doesn't match your values and it doesn't match your end goal's if ours, if our values don't match, it's not going to resonate with you. Mm -hmm. And it's not something you're going to be able to stick to. So my biggest tip in finance and operations is figure out what your values are and make sure that people you follow, the people you look up to and the people you consume their content from have similar values to you.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's, I love what you just said, because it's the same thing when it comes to marketing, if you can mm-hmm. get right on with your core values, the rest will follow, Yeah, you know, the rest will feel natural. The rest will, you know, feel authentic. It will resonate. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't operate from those core values, you're really gonna yeah. find yourself chasing shiny objects, trying to imitate mm-hmm. people that are not you, yeah. and not showing up well. Uh, to your clients or prospective clients. So I love that. And
1: I think it really extends to when we talk about scaling um, Mm -hmm. those people who you invite to work in your business. And I say it that way because it's truly an invitation into your baby, your, um, your home, something that you've built with your own two hands. When you invite people in as contractors or as employees, And you do not have aligning values. It's not, it's not going to work long-term, but when you do find people who have similar values to you, who can really latch onto your vision and your mission, that's when you hit magic because they're also working and their lives align with the values that you have. Um, that's when you've struck lightning in a bottle and that's when your brand will really resonate with people. That's when your employees and your contractors have a much easier time conveying your voice and your brand because it resonates with them as well.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: And so I think that this values piece and mission and vision goes a lot further than people give it credit for. I think they just check a box and say, okay, I was supposed to create that. I was supposed to do that. I did it, but that's our guidepost. Mm-hmm. That is our pathway that we follow. Um, and that's what we use to make decisions with is those values and mission and vision. Um, and it it should be permeated through every part of your operations, your finance, your branding, your messaging, your content.
0: That's wonderful. I love it. I love how passionate you are about it too. <laughs> Holly, as we wrap up here, if people want to get more from you, um, where can they dive in deeper with you? Where can they find your podcast? Uh, Tell us all the goodies.
1: Yeah. So my podcast is everywhere you listen to your podcast, whatever app you're on, you should be able to find me. It's called Prosper Collective and it's intentional business talk for small businesses um I also have a website so you can um find all of the episodes there you can get in contact with me um you can read the show notes kind of figure out what the episodes are about and that is prospercollective.com but I'm also on Instagram that's probably my favorite <laughs> (laughs) social media. Um, And I'm just at prosper.collective there. Um, And you'll also find me on Facebook um, just under prosper collective. Uh, So I would love for you to find me there and start chatting about all of your finance and operations questions.
0: So that's great. Well, thanks again for sharing so many great nuggets of wisdom and just your passion for helping businesses operate in a more efficient and smart manner. So I'm grateful that there are people out there like you who are so (laughs) knowledgeable and organized in this manner and people that I can learn from. So I appreciate uh, your friendship and just all the insights that you share that I've learned from over the past few years that we've known each other. So thanks for all that. And thanks for coming on this episode.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I've so enjoyed it.
0: If you liked what you just heard, please hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a review that not only helps us out, but it helps others discover great interviews just like this one.